The mass shooting in Maryland at a newspaper office in Annapolis. A gunman with a shotgun opened fire this afternoon at the Capitol Gazette. Five were killed, several others hurt. These people in uh, the White House do not seem to understand that their words have meaning and their words have consequences and that reporters are people. They dehumanize us they de as they dehumanize uh, immigrants, calling them animals. That's the way of a despot. That's the way of an autocrat. You heard that, that became the talking point of the day yesterday very quickly. Before they knew anything about this killer, before they knew anything about his vendetta against the newspaper, before they knew anything about his his scary, bizarre Twitter feed, uh, they were trying to tag this on Trump. It's amazing. Turns out the, the guy also was a, uh, I think he was another addict of video games, violent video games, which you keep, you keep seeing this pattern among these shooters. Uh, and we're learning more uh, from him, uh, from, from uh, authorities on what happened in this horrific shooting yesterday. Uh, newsrooms, no doubt, and other buildings ramping up security uh, in major cities across the United States. Uh, and our federal buildings are under assault by hundreds and hundreds of people who want to stop the process of orderly immigration in the United States. These are groups that sow chaos, hatred, and fear. The Democratic Socialists of America uh, worked their way through to the Portland, Oregon office of ICE, shutting that ICE office down, Immigration Customs Enforcement office down, for nine days. Mm. So federal employees who have to support their families and go to work were not able to go to work. How many of you believe that this is lawful protest under the First Amendment to block people from actually going to do their legal federal duty? I am all for peaceful protest. It's an important and, and vital part of our national experience guaranteed by the First Amendment. If you watched the Ingram Angle last night, you heard me, of course, say we can never, ever stand for a true encroachment on our First Amendment rights, whether they be religious liberty rights or freedom of association uh, or of course, our right to uh, political redress in our First Amendment right to speech. It is another matter altogether, however, if you bust into a federal office building and then you your, quote, protest is merely an attempt to get publicity and get the cameras in there, which then in turn harms the ability of our Capitol Police to do what they need to do at this always dangerous time. It's now now we're just always on high alert to protect federal employees. U.S. Senators, U.S. Re representatives, Supreme Court justices, in the case of the Federal Marshal Service, protect them from harm. Every minute of time that our U.S. Uh, Marshal Service or Capitol Police has to devote to the tinfoil blanket crowd, every moment that they have is a moment of potential danger to others. And again, if you want to protest, you get a permit, I'm all for it. Peaceful, respectful, I'm all for it. But what they are doing is a publicity stunt that distorts the truth, purposefully distorting the truth to sow fear and hatred against the good men and women who work for the Immigration Customs Enforcement and for Border Patrol, of course. And all you need to do is what I did, and, and you could watch the interviews that I did when I did the show down at the border, uh, down in the uh, Imperial Beach, south of, south of Imperial Beach, uh, San Diego sector. You talk to these Border Patrol agents who are overwhelmingly Hispanic, committed, patriotic, long-serving public officials who are just... 
law enforcement officials doing their job. And they are so frustrated at being at being made out to be evil Nazi concentration camp uh, guards, all the rest. They are sick to death of it. And it's amazing that any of them show up to work. I mean, they don't need that grief. These people don't need that grief. They need their jobs. But, you know, these protesters don't care about that. They don't care about the fact that 60 percent of Border Patrol, places like Texas, Arizona, are Hispanic. They don't care. They, they, don't, they don't care about the fact that you had 62 uh, illegal immigrants in a stash house in Texas last week, week and a half ago. Uh, and the federal authorities had to bust in on that. You have massive human trafficking. You have massive r- the rape train, as they used to call it, coming up uh, through Mexico in certain sectors. They call it the rape train because of what they do to women on that train, the illegal immigrants. If they really cared about the illegal immigrants, get your rear end down to Guatemala or Salvador or Honduras. Help the people on the ground so they can stay in their home country. Volunteer for all the great faith-based organizations and other organizations who are trying to keep these people self-sustaining and safe. You want to protest? Protest against the government of Guatemala, who, st- who, who effectively has stopped all adoption into the United States, international adoption. There are so many families here in the United States who would love to adopt Guatemalan children who have no hope. And this is an issue, you're right, it's near and dear to my heart. But have you ever heard them protesting against the ridiculous United Nations edicts on, uh, on making international adoption so difficult? Have you ever heard them talk about it? No. Because they're all in bed with these international bureaucrats who tie government's hands on the issue of, of true assistance to people who are in their home countries who either want to stay there or want to give their children uh, a better life with an unintended pregnancy and give them that that chance of a, of a better life in the United States. I remember, Raymond, when we uh, went to pick up Maria, do you remember that there were all those families there who have been waiting for two years to bring their kids home? And those people, most of those people never got to bring their children home. No. And they actually had their names changed already to American names. Yeah, but they couldn't they couldn't take custody of their children. No. And they looked at me like, uh, and I said, oh, I've been doing this for two and a half years. I've been doing it for two and a half years and I, I was just one of the lucky ones who got was able to get my child out. But you see, they never, they never actually do the thing that helps the people. It's always about burnishing the brand for political turnout in the next election. That's all this is about. Don't, don't get yourself all caught up that, oh, these women are, these women are out there and they really care about the kids. Oh, please. If they cared about, cared about the, the, the most horrific human rights violation that the world has ever seen, you know, in, in terms of numbers, they would be protesting against abortion on demand globally and forced abortions in China, which still occur, by the way. But you never hear anything about that. Never hear anything about that. It's only Trump, 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 Trump. Never did anything about Obama housing all these people. They, where were all the protests during Obama? They didn't do any protests during Obama. They don't care. It's about turnout. As long as they have their savior Obama in the Oval Office, they'd rather do something else. So maybe they'll hang out at a WTO protest for a while. Maybe they'll, I don't know, they'll go to a moveon.org, you know, counseling session. Who knows? But the only reason they're doing what they're doing now is because of the midterm election. And I think they're making a huge mistake. Huge mistake. That poll that Mark Penn told us about yesterday. Yeah, people want a compassionate process, but they want people reunited back in their home countries. And they want criminals turned over to ICE, not released into society. 84%. 855-40-LAURA. Do you think these protesters should be cleared out and charged with more severe uh, crimes than just a, a misdemeanor and release, given what's happening at these federal buildings? I think it's dangerous at these federal buildings for this stuff to take place. You see the language they're using? Hostage. Push them back. Drive them out. Nazi. Uh, ripping babies from the arms. Snatching. Kidnapping. They're using kidnapping. Trump is kidnapping children. Child torture. Torture. Now, what do you think that does? I mean, that justifies, in the minds of many, if someone is, is, it has an ongoing 
If someone is committing a crime against humanity, you have a duty as a citizen to stop him by any means necessary. That's why this language is so dangerous. That's why it's dangerous. And meanwhile, they're, bl they're blaming Trump for the shooting of, in the uh, Capitol Gazette. Of course, they're blaming Trump because he's called the, the media the enemy of the people. So that got into the head, apparently, of this deranged killer who had a long-standing grudge against the newspaper. That's the journalistic leap of logic they're taking right now. I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's one thing to protest. It's another thing to halt the lawful actions. Law enforcement, they're, they're, they're grinding law enforcement to a halt. They didn't have permission to go into the, set, the Hart Senate office building and, and plop themselves down on the floor. They didn't have permission to do that. But why are they allowed in there? This is what, Why are they allowed into the building in Anmas? Why don't they stop them? Why don't they? I guess they can't. I don't know what the rules are on that, but it's not, I don't think that, it's not it, lawful to Well, to it would seem the, the Capitol Police have an obligation, and they can stop you from, they certainly stop you. If you and I and a and hundred people tried to storm Paul Ryan's office because we wanted him to, you know, clear vanilla ice cream, the official flavor of the country, I promise you the Capitol Police would keep you off of Statuary Hall from going down that hallway toward his office. I promise you. So I don't know why they aren't stopping, except maybe they don't want the images of them stopping a group of women protesters. I don't know. I don't know why. Politics going into it? That would be interesting to talk but, to the Capitol Police. But how is that different from the images of them arresting these women, which right. we saw 575 women arrested yesterday at the Hart office building. Gives you a sense of the presence, and it's not that big. And by the way, the politicians went and took part in the oh, yeah. arrest, too, and politicians like, apparently were arrested. Kirsten Gillibrand, Blumenthal, and others. They all performed. Was went down and sat, sat on the floor and read. Yeah, let's, let's listen. So I just got arrested with a group of, I don't know exactly how many, but over 500 women, at least 500 women, protesting the inhumane and cruel zero-tolerance policy of Donald Trump and this administration, the separation of families, the caging of children, the imprisonment of asylum seekers who just seek a better life. It was organized by the Women's March um, and by the Center for Popular Democracy. And they understand that this is far beyond politics. This is about right and wrong, and we want us, We have to stand up, and we have to put ourselves on the line. Ah, there is an emerging narrative here. We have to put ourselves on the line. We have to use our bodies, are Michael Moore Are you says. ready to sacrifice? They yeah. Say. That, this uh, is... Yeah, that Linda Sarsour, are you ready to sacrifice? Mm -hmm. Now, what is that? You want to talk about lingo that gets in the minds of a, of, of a twisted, deranged person? I have to stop this president from kidnapping, torturing, caging, caging children, uh, uh, crimes against humanity. What does that say? Laura, I, I could sit here and say, this is my problem with this all this inflamed rhetoric. There are people who march outside of abortion clinics who are caged. They arrest them and cage them. Yeah. There are children that are salined, burned, and dismembered every day in facilities across America, and we pay for it. Now, if we use that inflammatory rhetoric and put the pictures of the people up and every day and every night, used all the media and talked about them in those vivid terms, this is the person who mutilated XYZ. This leads to violent yeah. ends. It's bad for us as a republic, for us as a people, and I get that people are using the political moment, but I, I caution you. I caution you about going down this road. The difference this, is that actually does happen at Planned Parenthood. Right. That's actually factual. Yeah, the other thing is in, in, everyone's incarcerated when you commit a crime. You're incarcerated. If I if I go knock over a 7-Eleven, they're going to throw me in jail. Right. Now, you could say, did you know today? Imagine a regime that would cage Raymond or Roy. What? It's the, it's the way we choose to depict this in the dark, within the darkest possible shading. And what that does is create a, a boogeyman that must be slayed, a dragon that must be taken out. And uh, I worry we're there. We're right on the edge of it. Well, and
and and we hear it trickling into the lingo of all yeah. elected officials now. Yep, this is where entertainers. We are. It's uh, I, I just think everybody better back off. That's what I said the other Very night. Very scary. Everybody's got to and I and and I said it. I don't like the president using the word you know the a word in speeches. You know it's all too much. It's all uh, get your blank out there and vote. I don't I don't like any of that. We're better than that. I think most Americans are. Uh, James, I don't know how much time we have, my friend. you got to tell me what the time is. How much? That's that, a really good point. It's another agency. That they're calling for the elimination and abolishment of ICE because it, it separates families. Well, gentleman makes an interesting point. Child Protective Services does the same. Hmm. Well, maybe we, maybe we just <laughs> eliminate all federal agencies. Just have the chaos that uh, Linda Sarsour wants you to have. And you just you know hop across everybody's borders. Everybody's homes should be open, too. Linda Sarsour should open her home to, to wherever she lives. Open her home to to uh, orthodox jews and and devout christians and open a home okay that's let's all do that that's fine let's let's put your money where your mouth is oh uh, yeah they think they're gonna do some false flag thing or uh yeah i don't, I don't know what they're capable of but i think everybody's got to be super careful and uh committed to our constitution and committed to uh, freedom and liberty and civility should these separations ever have been used by the administration as a deterrent to illegal immigration, or was that a mistake? Well, here's the thing. I think that the, the folks who come illegally, if they come with minors, they should be reunited with their families, but it should be in their home country. You should not come illegally. This is a big point of disagreement between Commissioner Putnam and me. Uh, when he was at Commissioner, he endorsed the Schumer-Obama Gang of Eight immigration amnesty, the biggest amnesty in history, and when we had a chance in Florida to do E-Verify, he twisted arms in the state Senate. He helped kill it behind the scenes. That was a hot debate last night. Uh, Fox News covered it in Florida, hosted it. Uh, this was Adam Putnam, uh, who is running against Ron DeSantis, Congressman DeSantis, in the really important battleground state of Florida in that gubernatorial uh, primary. As many of you know, last year, I don't know, last summer, I endorsed uh, DeSantis. Uh, it, it is just not even close. In some polls, uh, apparently Adam Putnam is ahead, but that, that most people aren't decided. Like 39% are undecided. I don't understand how you watched that debate last night. Given what we're seeing in this country and what's happening in the country, and Adam Putnam might be a very nice person, I'm sure he is, but I don't think it's really all that close uh, in, in, in perception when you watch the two men. Who would be a better governor of the great state of Florida? And who would be more in line, conservative, populist, pro-growth agenda of Donald Trump? Well, thanks, Laura. Thanks for your support. Look, you know, at the end of the day, the great thing about a debate like that is it shows the contrast. And so here I am, an Iraq veteran with a principally conservative record endorsed by Donald Trump. Adam Putnam is a career politician. He's been in office since he was 22 years old. He's a transactional open borders Republican. And this E-Verify that he opposed, Laura, you and I both know oh. you do E-Verify. That's one of the number one things, probably the number one thing you can do to shut down illegal immigration. And yet we had a chance to pass it in Florida. And he twisted arms, kill it. Why? Because his big ag donors want cheap foreign labor. So this is a guy who claims he's conservative, but yet he deviates from conservative principles because his donors demand it. He's for cheap labor, open borders, and amnesty. I'm for what Donald Trump said. Ron DeSantis is for strong borders. Well, what's uh, what's really stunning about all of this is as we see these uh, these protests, you had that horrific attack on that newspaper uh, yesterday, uh, and that looks like a personal vendetta. Uh, don't you love how the left? 
left is blaming Trump for that. Did you, did you have you heard that? Now they're blaming Trump. They're they're saying, well, yeah, it was a personal vendetta, but Trump has called them the enemy of the state. So Trump, basically, what they're implying is Trump's language has gotten in the mind of a deranged person who went out and shot up these these poor people. Yeah, and obviously that's not true in, in the facts. And if you look at the time we've had deranged activity, it's been the left acting conservatives. I was on the congressional baseball team when the Bernie Sanders Trump hating gunmen opened fire on our baseball practice. Uh, that was driven by hatred. You look at Maxine Waters trying to incite people to harass Trump administration officials. You see some of the things that are happening to people like Pam Bondi in Florida. What the left is doing right now is off the rails, and it's all driven by knee-jerk hatred of Donald Trump. Well, Congressman, uh, yesterday, speaking of the um, chaos in government, uh, you had the testimony on Capitol Hill of Rod Rosenstein and Christopher Wray, and your back and forth, which James will play, with, uh, you know, with Rosenstein, I thought, and I said this last night on the angle, I thought your back and forth with him was among the best of the day, and I know you got a lot of smart people up there who used to doing these hearings, uh, but it was, it, uh, to me, he came across as a little flip, given the seriousness of the questions uh, surrounding these documents that still haven't been ter- turned over. Yeah, look, I think that he is somebody who believes congressional oversight is this big inconvenience and big imposition on his life. He's uh, likened it to extortion, that when Congress is wanting to get these documents and we say we'll hold them accountable if we don't get it. And so his view of the Justice Department, I think, one, is actually dangerous because he thinks the Justice Department and FBI should just be independent of any accountability. They're professionals. They always have the public's interest at heart. They should just be able to do their job without interference these techie elected officials trying to represent their constituents. And one, he's just dead wrong on that. But two, uh, it leads us down the road of where we are today. Think about it, Laura. They opened up a counterintelligence investigation against Trump's campaign. We then try to figure out, because we know there was rampant bias that affected this, what happened, where, oh, we classified. We can't do that. We can't do it. Well, it's sources. That's very dangerous. If government utilizes those powers against American citizens and then says they can never uh, be held accountable because it's all classified, then how the heck are we ever get a government in line. Well, you have a constitutional responsibility to do proper oversight, and he just seemed to have a very indignant uh, sneer on his face for most of the testimony. And I think, I mean, I think to a lot of people, it came off as very, uh, yeah, it's just, it was just, it was disappointing to say the least. And uh, I, I just, I think we have a moment from your Q&A with him. Let's listen. Let me ask you this. What did the DOJ or FBI do in terms of collecting information, spying or surveillance on the Trump campaign? be it via Stefan Halper or anybody else working on behalf of the agencies. As you know, Congressman, I'm not permitted to discuss uh, any classified information in an open setting, but I can assure you that we are working with uh, oversight committees and we're producing all relevant evidence to allow them to answer those questions. Let me ask you this then. Did the Obama administration, anybody in the administration, direct anybody, Halper or anybody else, to make contact with anyone associated with the Trump campaign? As I said, Congressman, I appreciate, obviously, the, I understand your interest, but I'm not permitted to discuss classified information. Well, we want the- well it, it, he hid behind the I'm not permitted to discuss classified information, but you couldn't even get a yes or no. Why is it? it I mean, it's already out there that that Stefan Halper yeah, right. approached the campaign, uh, but he was yeah, adamant exactly. and not it, it, he was not going to give you any information. 
question on that, and that was the key question that uh, that you all wanted answered uh, last week, and you wanted the documents, and Nunez wanted the documents, and deadline after deadline goes by, and you guys pass a resolution. What the heck is that going to accomplish? Another resolution? Well, it, it has a deadline, so if we actually move to enforce it, it could could work. We've not been the speaker has not been willing to do that, but you know Peter Strzok did the same uh, type of excuses on Wednesday when we had him. He would say, "Well, look, I'd like to say what I did, but it's classified." The fact is, whether someone in Obama's administration prompted the contact. That is not classified. Um, I'm not asking for the name of a source. I'm asking, what did you do? Did you do it or not? And th- that should be a question that's answered. Same with Peter Strzok. Did you open the counterintelligence investigation? Yes or no? And he won't answer any of those questions. And so we're back to the problem of government misbehaving and hiding behind classification as a way to evade accountability. That just can't be left to, left to stand uh, because that really does, I think, undermine Americans' individual liberties. Uh, the language that we're hearing at these anti-ICE, uh, abolish ICE protests, in my mind, has gone from you know civil disobedience to borderline inciting violence. Um, they're talking about how Donald Trump is snatching babies, kidnapping babies, jailing babies. Um, it's a human rights uh, crisis. Um, re- referring to the Trump administration as a ongoing criminal syndicate or worse. Um, what are your thoughts on that, given what we saw with 500 people being arrested at the Senate uh, hard office building yesterday? Um, what are your thoughts? This is radicalism on immigration like we've never seen before. These people believe that just anyone who traces across the border uh, should just be allowed to go right into the interior of our country, even if they're coming illegally. And if they have a minor in tow, well, then you got to just let them in and, and do that. And that is uh, an open border. Uh, that's lawlessness. And that's really the mainstream position uh, of the modern American left. And, uh, you know, the left wasn't always like this. I mean, immigration, there was used to be a belief in enforcement in both parties. I mean, Barbara Jordan and her commission in the 90s. So they've gone so far overboard that I think that this is helping Trump. I think one of the reasons his approval rating is going up is because of this. I think it's also because of the economy. Uh, But they cannot, the Democrats cannot be trusted uh, to do anything to enforce our borders or enforce our laws. Every single Democrat voted against the Goodlatte bill when we voted on that last week. Well, that Goodlatte bill was the only one that was worth anything. Uh, and I think I think we missed a real opportunity, and I think the White House, frankly, missed an opportunity in not in helping uh, encourage and urge congressmen to vote for that. You guys only needed well, to the get leadership, to though, Laura. Yes, but the leadership, they were basically against Goodlatte. They did nothing the to beginning. whip for it. They, mm-hmm. they whipped for this Ryan amnesty bill, and the, the Goodlatte got 193. Ryan's amnesty only got 120 votes. So it was a total miscalculation. Part of that is, look, Paul Ryan is just way to the left of where the rest of the Republicans are. He's always been that way. He honestly feels that, but he didn't do a good job of diagnosing where the conference was. And you're right. We only needed 15 or 20 more votes. um, And you would have had the first immigration bill in a generation that actually would have solved problems of illegal immigration. Um, uh, Ron, there's another um, point here that we have when to your your point that the the left has become so radicalized. I think it's it's a pure political play. I mean, yeah, they believe in open borders. We've always 
always known that. But this is a political play to get people motivated to vote. That's why they're ramping up the rhetoric. Trump's a criminal. Trump's uh, basically he's a war criminal. It's a war against children. It's a war against immigrants. Uh, I'm worried uh, that that kind of rhetoric inspires deranged people to do awful things because they think they're doing the country a national service. I'm scared about that. I mean, I get a chill when I think about that. Um, and now we have, uh, as a separate matter, we have Christian Gillibrand, who is joining in the Demo- with the Democratic Socialists of America who want to abolish ICE. Listen. I don't think ICE today is working as intended. Well, you think I you should get rid of the agency? We believe that we should protect families that need our help, and that is not what ICE is doing today, and that's why I believe you should get rid of it, start over, reimagine it, and build something that actually works. Uh, she's obviously running for president as well, Congressman. Well, just think about someone just applying through the legal channels from India or South Korea or something. What the Democrats are saying is you should just come across the southern border illegally. You're much better off doing it that way. What kind of message is that sending um, about the rule of law? It's really a slap in the face to the legal immigrants. And it's obviously a slap in the face to American taxpayers and American citizens. And so that radicalism is going to reelect President Donald Trump in 2020. Uh, Congressman Ron DeSantis, uh, again, you did a phenomenal job last night at that debate. You're standing up for the law-abiding, hard-working Floridians and all the seniors who live in uh, Florida, and they just want to, you know, live their life in peace and security, and uh, not in, you know, high taxes and ridiculous regulations. And y- you just did a phenomenal job, and we're so proud of you. And uh, and uh, keep 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 on keeping on out there. Stay safe. Uh, thank you so much, Congressman Ron DeSantis, uh, here on the Laura Ingram Show. You can follow him on his Facebook page. Uh, we'll link up his uh, website, his gubernatorial campaign website on our Facebook page as well. Um, and uh, a lot of you are already supporting him, but he's he's <laughs> you can't get any uh, better out there than Ron DeSantis. Uh, all right. We're going to take a break on the Laura Ingram show. 855-40-Laura. Uh, more concern about security at federal buildings and in uh, and media outlets across the country after yesterday as well. We're learning more about this individual vendetta against one small newspaper uh, and the newspaper itself kept reporting during the tragedy. Horrific. That's part of the protester training yesterday. Breathing exercises and we have to know what's going inside. You know what's going inside my body right now? I'm hungry. This is what happens. I'm hungry. You know, I do this every time I see people in the green room of the Ingerangle. I say, make sure to take a breath when you're confronted by Laura. You may have strange things are going to go on in your body. Just take a breath. Let it out. A lot of anger and fear. Take a breath. Fear in breath out. What is it? Anger in, anger out, fear in. I couldn't follow her at all. None of it's making sense. She said when we when we get anxious, the fear and the anger come in. What? This is well this passes as intellectual conversation for the protester class. By the way, I just reread Rules for Radicals. Mm, oh good. I tweeted it out. Is that what's on your nightstand? I tweeted it out. No, I just tweeted it out. Just a synopsis of the rules yes. for the chapters. Everyone should read it again. You'll you'll understand why they're doing what they're doing. Overwhelming the system, trying to provoke a violent reaction from the other side by getting so close. Remember isolation. Yeah, demonization. Yeah. Uh, the you know, you, you isolate someone and you polarize and you and you target. It's a targeted thing. So that's why when they got in the face of Gillibrand, they wanted her to react or or uh, uh, Pam Bondi's uh, boyfriend, they wanted him to react. They got in his face. This is all according to the uh, Alinsky rules for radicals. That's where it is. Mm. It's uh it's really bad. That's t- I mean, there are a lot of people who are homeless. There are a lot of people who are homeless who make are able to work them their way out of it. It's hard though. Very hard. 
Michael Moore, were you civil? Um, I I am as civil as as any Eagle Scout Catholic altar boy could be when confronted with the devil. Well, what do you try to do with the devil? Stomp on his head, right? You try to smite the devil. Uh, this is this is uh, now gotten to the point of uh, you know the implicit in what they're saying is not just defeat him at the ballot box but you got to stop him cut him down where he is now he's not going to say that mike i'm not saying michael moore is advocating that but the language is so vicious and charged charged yeah that's the word he is charged that it's really it's it's extremely irresponsible and so they're talking about trump talking about the press as the enemy of the people i've said many times i don't think trump should should carry on about the press as much as he does i think i've i've always said that on the one hand the people like their own bully because they feel like they've been bullied by the press and been given inadequate information biased information so the people as you can see from all the polling and this has been going on for a couple of decades people don't trust the press well, they have no one to blame but themselves for that that predates trump uh, big time but of course trump has taken it up a notch because he thinks they've been very unfair to him and they have they hate him they hated him the moment he walked down that golden escalator and he said what he said about illegal immigration they hated him hated detest him from the moment he uttered the words they're sending rapists that was it so that hatred has is, is it's a continuum through the press and now through their acolytes in the entertainment industry and then through the radicals in the streets and training themselves to ice fences and then going to the senate uh hard office building yesterday where the poor Capitol Police are in a situation where they're distracted from their real jobs and they have to uh, they have to arrest all of, you know, 500 people. Heaven forbid there was an attempt uh, at some terrorist attack on that building. I mean, it would it would have been a nightmare worse, worse than a, a normal because you had all those people on the floor and it would have been a stampede. To get people out of there. So they're they're creating a public nuisance. And worse than that, distracting the authorities because of the nature of what they're doing and the viciousness of it. They're distracting the authorities from their their real job which is to keep us safe congress safe senate safe staffers there safe and and uh and i understand civil disobedience you're supposed to make people feel uncomfortable i get that but there's something about doing it in a federal building we have a way to express our views and it's every election cycle at the ballot box they're afraid trump they're you know what they're afraid of they're afraid of a, of a red wave in november they're afraid this midterm election is not going to deliver them the uh, nirvana they thought and they're really afraid that trump's going to get real elected in 2020 well, they have to take him out you know i told a friend the other day uh, here's what i hate and i hate this for our kids and frankly i hate it for us and it's part of the 24-hour news cycle i get that we have not stopped having an election in this country no. the election just rolled on right past the results into the next election cycle we don't rest as americans now the media wants to keep us in perpetual tense election mode where i'm on one side you're on that side i have my candidate you have yours and now we're ratcheting up because that's not enough tension and stress to have every day. Now we're moving it to the next level, which is personal engagement. I not only disagree with you, I'm going to make sure you don't eat at my restaurant. Damn you, you're not going to be in this cinema. You won't come down this block. You won't be in this neighborhood.
This is getting very close to Catholics need not apply. Blacks can't sit at this side of the table. This is very dangerous stuff it's in America. It's discriminatory. It is. It's discriminatory. It's using politics to discriminate. And I don't want to be estranged from people in my neighborhood and community because of political differences. You've got to work together, people. Got to do it. This is, you know what? The only thing that's really going to bring us together? An, an, an international threat. An international threat periling the United States where we have to be thrown together or we're going to or our survival will end. That's literally where we're moving. And that scares that's the scary. hell out of me. Uh, I don't even know if that would bring people together at this uh, point. I think it might. I don't know. I mean, I get, in a moment it does. And then three months later, everybody's back at the, each other's throat. Right. Well, that's exactly And, and we right. lose, the power, we lose the power grid for four days. How civil do you think people are going to be in this mm. country? In Japan, you know what they do? They work together. The Japanese in the, in the aftermath of that Fukushima meltdown, uh, that, the story of how the Japanese um, are patient, wait in line. Well, they're an incredibly civil, gracious people. Gracious people. Gracious mm-hmm. people. We rip things out of each other's hands. And God, if you're if you're at the in a blizzard and someone takes the uh, snow shovel in front of you, you get likely to get knocked down and get cold cocked with a snow shovel. I mean, this is this is what's happening happening. But I, do you all notice this? The language is getting ratcheted up. He's terrorizing families. He's snatching children. He's kidnapping. Yeah, listen, listen to Michael Moore. We're not talking about political differences. We're talking about thousands of children being kidnapped from their parents and put in jails. This is insanity. This is not who we are, is it? No. Uh-huh. So you see, you see that broad brush demonization of people, and he literally, you know, demonization used to be a, a you know, a, a term, a stretch. You were you were using it to characterize. They're literally calling Donald Trump the devil here. And look, every president, every elected official imprisons people and puts them in jail. Children are not being put in jail. I mean, let's bring it all down. Democrats and Republicans can disagree over whether families should be separated, okay? That is a valid disagreement. I understand that. And there's a moral consideration there that should be weighed. However, don't pretend that children are being jailed. Nobody's jailing children. And because you have a screen that they're behind in a temporary detention facility while they're registered and then sent to a refugee center, a resettlement center, which is like a foster home, right? If you, if you, when you have that, but the, the, it, it's, it's silly. It's just silly to characterize it that way. We all need to step back, take a breath, and be rational here. And look, Michael Moore's trying to sell his film, and he sells indignation yeah, on the left. That's his thing. Now, Fahrenheit 11.9. Oh, aren't we? We're dining out on that old The trip. day he was elected. But here's where Michael Moore, I think, crossed a line. And we're hearing more and more of this. We heard it. We hear it from elected officials, and we heard it from Michael Moore last night. Listen to his prescription. What will solve okay, this? Okay, let's listen. The despair that I have in going forward and making these moves movies is when are people going to get off the couch and when are we going to rise up and I'm telling you folks the end game sadly is going to be Trump is not going to leave he plans to be reelected he he loves the term president for life um, the only way that we're going to stop this is eventually we're all going to have to put our bodies on the line. Put our bodies on the line. Sounds like, what, what is this, the Civil War? He's Stonewall Jackson? Right. What is this? Uh, it's a very, that, that, that made me, that made me that, sit yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. That made, that got me off the couch actually well, last night. His body would stop a first division. <laughs> that could be, you know, this could be, there could be a Democratic Republican compromise here on the wall. We could just put Michael Moore on the border. That would take care of half of the Rio Grande Valley right there. See, 
I'm thinking. I'm trying to find ways of collaboration. Common ground. Common ground. <laughs> Common ground. You can feed off Michael Moore for. <laughs> we all have to use our bodies. I I don't know what that means. Meanwhile, I, I just just to remind people, put it in context. When those who are opposed to the actual dismemberment and death of children put their bodies on the line and go just march or peacefully pray the rosary outside of an abortion oh, clinic, no. there's Arrested. a bubble zone. There's a bubble zone. They have to stay outside of. You know, they have to. They must stay outside a perimeter to do so. So, I, 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 what are we talking about here? And what's really at stake? What lives are really at stake? Is Donald Trump responsible for the extermination of children as a result of their, to use Michael well, Moore's vernacular, jailing? Well, you know something. I, I, that's this, not indi happening. this indignation doesn't seem to be working according to the uh, surveys that have been done on this. Fifty-four percent of Americans believe those who are responsible for the separation of families are not U.S. authorities, but it's the families who brought these children across the border illegally. So that was, I believe, the Harvard-Harris poll that came out. Mm -hmm. So those who brought the children across the border illegally are responsible for separating families. And I am disgusted by the Republicans in Congress for not passing legislation to stop this madness where we cannot turn people back at the border. Mexico should be put on notice. You allow this these caravans to go through your country. You allow this to continue to happen and you are going to have to, you know, uh, you, you are going to have to be held accountable by our government. You have to be held accountable. They, Mexico knows what's going on here. You shouldn't give these people pass-through visas to be able to come up to the border. And 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 if you come into the country illegally, the word, the, the edict should be, you will never be coming into the country again. That's it. But, but that's how serious it is. And then you'll save lives because people won't make that uh, dangerous trek. Now they're just repeating the lines that they, that they pull off a website for credible fear of, per, of persecution. If I go back, my you know, my life is going to be terrible. And yeah, I'm sure life is bad for a lot of people in Guatemala. I know. But that's a different from a credible claim for asylum, persecution for your religion or persecution from your uh, because of your uh, your color of your skin or your that that uh, asylum is traditionally used for that type of wholesale uh, uh, persecution. And in this case, you know, it's being it's be, the system is being gamed by people who want to immigrate to the United States and don't want to go through the legal process because we don't need we don't need any more low-skilled laborers in this country right now we need wages to go up in this country that's what we need and I know a lot of these unscrupulous employers they don't want it they don't want to pay the wages so they love these illegal immigrants coming in I loved how the LA Times did this story this week about oh this poor woman who was at the border and she stuck it out and they let her in for asylum they let her in to apply they released her and she has to appear in you know a year or whatever for her asylum hearing and it said she's already working in a garment factory in LA did you see that piece? With her living with her sister, undoubtedly also illegal. But she already got a job. Already did it. Unbelievable. You're listening to the Laura Ingram Show, 855-40-Laura. So we'll get to more of this. Your reaction, though. Are you in agreement with me that this, the rhetoric that we're seeing, uh, the rhetoric that we're seeing directed at the President of the United States, if they use this language against Obama, oh, this type of language, I, I can't imagine. Uh, I don't know what, what the clock is here, so i got to click my clock. Yeah, well, they need to have a permit to protest. I'm not sure if these people did or not. I don't no, know. they didn't have a permit to go into the. They had a permit to march, but not a permit to storm right. the Senate and the and the buildings. And you know, it was interesting because they cagely, Sarsour and others, cagely uh, advertised this as we're going to engage 
with our leaders on Capitol Hill at the end of the march. Civil engagement. But then they were giving uh, t- tips. There were tips they were giving on uh, how to be arrested and what to do, how to breathe and all, all right. that. It's just, we'll take a break. 855-40-LAURA. A lot more to get to. Victor Davis Hanson's going to join us. Uh, the media going nuts over this Helsinki summit that the Ingram Angle hopes to be at. We'll see. The majority of our fellow Americans are liberal, and we, the Democrats, have won the presidency, the popular vote, in six of the last seven presidential elections. The Republicans have only won once since 1988 in 2004 with Bush. That's the only time they've won the popular vote. The country we live in doesn't want the Republicans in the White House. They don't want them ready in this country. We're the majority. We're the majority. And I don't know. On that positive note, Electoral College. Electoral College. Electoral College. Get rid of it. Get rid of it, Democrats. Revolution. Revolution. It's the revolution. Welcome to the revolution. They can't get their way by playing by the rules, so they have to change the rules. This is classic. This is classic revolutionary tactics. Yeah, because we want to be ruled by California and New York. That's what the rest of the country wants to be ruled. Our framers were so brilliant. They foresaw what could happen in a republic that would be ruled by two populous states. That's not representing all 50 states. They don't understand that we live in a republic. It's not a pure democracy. Our system was conceived for a reason. So there would not be what would essentially be totalitarian rule by two states or three states running the whole show for everybody else. Our framers understood that it was great to have a diversity of, of opinion among the states. That's what made that, That's what made our country so interesting and so successful in so many ways. We had all of our own little traditions within our states. But they want to swamp all that and they want to dilute your vote if you're not living in california new york and soon texas perhaps with the immigration swamp in texas swamping in texas if you don't live in those states then your say will be severely diminished so it doesn't matter that every state has two senators it's irrelevant it doesn't matter it's only about population it's only about pure vote pure numbers you're listening to the laura ingram show he's just such a buffoon just donate his food budget for helping the immigrants <laughs> feed you could feed the entire crossing for three weeks well i think if you come into the country once illegally with rare exception if you should be not permitted well you should not be permitted to apply for citizenship uh, ever or maybe for 15 years what are the risks of a one-on-one with vladimir putin well, or is it, it good entirely, for them to be talking it depends entirely on how prepared he is on what his agenda is on what he hopes to get out of it whether he knows what he wants to get out of it whether or not he can explain to people why it is that he praises Vladimir Putin while attacking our allies. This from a man who had such great uh, success in engaging the Russians, John Kerry, when he was Secretary of State. He was flying over there in, I believe it was in October of 2016, the last-ditch effort to make some headway with Russia. It didn't get anywhere. Remember the reset, Hillary's reset? It is wrong translation. God, that's Sergei Lavrov. He outlasts everybody. He's been... He's been up there for obviously the foreign minister in Russian in Russia, uh, and on uh, July 16th in Helsinki, uh, they will have the big summit between Trump and Putin, and the media are going nuts. They used to think we should engage in with the Soviet Union and get along with the Soviet Union back in the 70s and 80s during Reagan, and now it's we should never talk to the Russians ever. Joining us now, Victor Davis Hanson, writer extraordinaire, uh, expert on military history. 
And on this issue, I've been dying to talk to VDH. Uh, Victor, great to talk to you today. Boy, are they uh, raising up the warning flag on this Trump-Putin summit already. Yeah, I think they are. And I think part of it's just generic, whether the Iran deal or North Korea or Russia or China, any foreign policy initiative that Trump takes poses the danger that it might be successful and create momentum politically for Trump. So they're against everything, whatever he does, they're against. But then there's the Mueller thing. And I think Trump is really wise. He's basically also sending the domestic message that he's not going to be handcuffed any longer by this uh, pseudo-Russian collusion charge. He's going to reach out to Putin. And there's, you know, we always triangulate, we've always triangulated with the Russians. They're, they're valuable. They could help us uh, corner Iran. They can help us in North Korea. They have, a, they have a, uh, a border with North Korea. They can help us in the Middle East. They, they don't have a lot of interests that are parallel to ours, but on questions like radical Islam, they do. And we've sort of just given up that card. And I think Trump understands you don't want to do what Obama did and just sort of go into some uh, therapeutic mode with reset. And you don't want to be demonize him when that therapeutic mode doesn't work. So he's trying to carve out somewhere in the center, which I think is what prior presidents have tried to do. Isn't that wise also, Victor, sorry to to interrupt, but isn't that wise given the aggressive rise of China? And wouldn't it be smart for the United States to form some type of working relationship on these issues, given what China has been doing? And China yesterday to Mattis, I guess, was saying, well, we're not going to we're not giving up an inch of territory in the South China Sea. An inch. Well, that was a fundamental pillar of Henry Kissinger's entire policy. Everybody says, well, Russia only has one twentieth the size of our economy, but they've got the second largest nuclear arsenal in the world. They've got one of the largest uh, reserves of oil, and they have a military that's still usable, at least in their immediate vicinity. And they're a historic check on China. And that's what we're, that's what I meant when we were always using them to triangulate. And it was not that we endorsed them or we demonized them, but we just saw them as useful. They were there. We accepted that fact. And this collusion. And the European hatred of Trump in combination had made us afraid to do it. So I think when Trump's doing this at summit, he's sending a message to the Europeans. You guys talk to Putin all the time. I'm going to talk to him. I'm not going to be stopped by your concerns or your hatred of me. I can do what I want. He's telling Mueller and the the progressives, I'm not handcuffed anymore. And I think that's a good message as well. And meanwhile, uh, Victor Beck, uh, you know, here in the United States, we have this really, I think, you know, dangerous rhetoric where we have activists saying things like Michael Moore last night and congresswomen and and senators now saying we should abolish ICE, uh, overwhelming the Capitol Police yesterday at a Senate office building where they had to arrest 500 people. The language that Trump is torturing children, kidnapping children. He's evil. He's the he's he's satanic, uh, human rights uh, violator. Uh, dictator. That kind of language is, I mean, that kind of language you could see at some point leading people to think, well, we might not be able to defeat him at the ballot box, so we have to use other means. I mean, Michael Moore was saying we all have to lay our bodies down. I think they're going to, and there's the other corollary to that, that the more that they do that, it's sort of like the 71 and 72 when the left went crazy over Nixon, and then that resulted in, they thought they really did believe my government was going to win, and they were so clueless and 
comments where they had no idea what most of America thought of my cover. And this is going to lead to a, a really hard left presidential bid in 2020. It's not going to be good for the Democrats. But they're so insulated, they don't see where they're going and that they're alienating people. And what I'm getting at is once they start to see it, they don't do well in the midterm. And they see where the party's going. I think Chuck Schumer and Pelosi do see where the party's going. Mm-hmm. Then there's going to be an even greater frustration that they have to use other means, uh, not just cultural means in the media, but as you say, street violence to achieve their so-called noble ends. But it's not going to happen through constitutional politics on the trajectory they're at. Well, they're essentially saying that now. I mean, that's basically what Michael Moore was saying last night. And in that Linda Sarsour, she's saying to people yes. yesterday that Palestinian activists, are you willing to sacrifice? That was very strange. I mean, that that are you willing to sacrifice? She kept saying. Yeah, so that was, I, I looked at, I listened to her. That was almost takeoff. I don't know if you remember Loretta Lynch's little video she did after Trump was elected and said people have died and sacrificed for the movement. And it was, it, it's mm-hmm. sort of the logical extension of mainstream, mainstream Democratic opposition. But again, you're seeing that rhetoric because nobody's talking now about this wonderful blue wave and all these senators who are going to magically take back the Senate as well as the House. And the fact of the matter is, when Obama left office, he'd lost 1,100 local and state races. He'd lost the governorships, the legislature, the House, the Senate. And with his Kennedy retirement, we're looking at a, a, a staunchly conservative court. And there is no political power, at least right now, for the progressive movement. And this, I think that's what's really fueling that, not just Trump. Victor, They're what do you, what do you make of, any... sorry, what do you make of the, the Queen's uh, primary upset of, of Crowley? You have the young Latina who describes herself as... As a proud socialist, another you know, she you're kind of mainstreaming this idea of abolishing ICE now. Kristen Gillibrand running for president, uh, for sure running for president. She's come out for abolishing ICE. Um, again, the way they're characterizing the president is he's a criminal. He's a you know he's a dictator. He's it needs to be stopped. It's almost a by any means necessary approach to political it discourse, which leads to prob- real problems. I think it's also ironic for the Democratic Party that um, the white male establishment has paid lip service to this idea of white privilege, white supremacy, uh, identity politics, all in the supposition that a Joe Biden or Chuck Schumer or a local congressman is so liberal and progressive that you wouldn't ever apply the ramifications of that rhetoric to themselves. And they don't understand. They created a Frankenstein monster and now it's starting to devour them because it's saying to them, wait a minute, you're a white male. You may be progressive and you may try to hide that fact, but you have empowered us and now by the mere fact that your parents are superficial parents, you're no longer part of the real progressive movement. This is an identity politics movement. This all started in 2008 and 9 when Obama sort of reified the idea that if you were Asian or Hispanic or black, you weren't Asian, Hispanic or black, you were part of some monolithic non-white group. And in, in the fact that he won in 2008 and, and 16 institutionalized that idea and they still haven't gotten over that people are not really wedded to their appearance for Ever, and the electoral college may not figure uh, may not favor that approach, but they want to go down that road. I, I think it's going to be another 1972 and 2020. Uh, Victor, there is another piece today. I tweeted this out earlier this morning, uh, which affects our technology sector, our security. You and I have talked about this for years. Finally, it's getting traction in Congress. China's penetration of Silicon Valley creates risks for startups, and the Danua uh, capital has invested in. 
some of Silicon Valley's most promising startups in, in areas like drones, artificial intelligence, and cybersecurity. The venture capital firm is based just outside of Stanford, the epicenter of U.S. technology entrepreneurship. And now more than 20 Silicon Valley venture capital firms have close ties to a Chinese government fund or state-owned entity, according to inter- interviews. And uh, this is, I mean, Congress is looking at ways to, you know, to stop this, even with ventures and venture startups. But this is, I mean, well, what took them so long? I don't know, but I can tell you that 15 years ago when I was appointed at the Hoover Institution, out here in the middle of nowhere, South of Fresno, my farm, an FBI agent read that in the paper and knocked on my door and tried to advise me that I was going to an area that was a hotbed of Chinese espionage in Silicon Valley. And I, when I got to Hoover, I said, I had the most incredible briefing, and they just sort of laughed at it. Not laughing at that it was stupid, laughing at it that everybody knew knew that, where have you been? And there's nothing we can do about it. And so that, that sort of subtext of the whole Trump trade uh, dispute with China, that we all know what China's doing. They're trying to skip 50 years of careful evolution that we went through and steal our technology and then jumpstart itself into a, 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 a rival power to the United States, at least in science. And when I go to my office, uh, all I see are Chinese nationals all over the Stanford campus. They're it's unbelievable. No doubt. It is. And I, I, when I mentioned this in print, I said, if we're going to deal with China and they're taking the Spratly Islands and they're appropriating technology as a price to do business, why do we have this many ch- Chinese nationals without uh, you know, citizens and members, somewhat members of the communist party. Why are they in Silicon Valley? It's unbelievable. Why are they buying property? And people no, attacked. I mean, David Goldman attacked me and said I was crazy for even mentioning that. And no, I don't no, you I were right. You were right about this all along. And you've been talking, I mean, I've been so upset about this since 1996 when Fred Thompson was talking about this with the supercomputing technology they were stealing from us. Listen, I just want our, our, our listeners, Victor, to, to take this in. Again, this is from Reuters. just came out. Chinese entities also sometimes take a passive role in big venture funds, but the venture capital sources say that Chinese government funds often play a more influential role in the smaller venture firms they back by providing a greater percentage of their funding that empowers them to request information about startups or help them to op- open offices in China, potentially opening those startups to um, the Committee on Foreign Investment Review. Uh, and, and one of the people they quote used to work for the Committee on Foreign Investments and now advises companies who are trying to get Chinese investment in their... I mean, it's, just, it's a revolving door of, well, I, of, of disgust for me. I'm and sorry. When, you criticize, when I'm at Hoover and I criticize that, that technique or that strategy, you wouldn't believe the number of people involved in it who call the Hoover Institution or call me and complain about it. I had a visit from a Chinese consul who told me that I was not thinking right and I wasn't on the right page and uh, just because of something I write. So I I think people really underestimate how proactive they are and how warped people do business with them and how indebted to them are. And it's really kind of scary. And I think uh, Trump is really sort of torn the scab off this whole rotten wound when he drew attention to what China's doing, at least on trade. Now people are looking at these other relationships and they're saying, you know what, we were asleep at the wheel for the last eight years and they really made inroads that we have no yeah. idea. And that's well, where we are now. Yeah, they're, they're one of the big funds, we're out of time, but one of the big funds is called Ariza Ventures. It's a China-backed fund. They invest big time in uh, self-driving cars and artificial intelligence in the United States. So it's uh, it belongs to the investment arm of the municipal government, uh, the Suzhou uh, municipal government in China. So they're they're all through these funds in all of this key developing technology, artificial intelli- intelligence, machine learning. 
uh, and um, and space weaponry, all this. Stuff. They are huge into these investments. And Trump has got Trump has got to shut this stuff down. It's it's imperative that he shut this down. It's going to be a hot one uh, on the East Coast this weekend. Temperatures approaching 100 degrees. So keep cool. Drink a lot of water. Stay out of that damaging sun. All right, Dave is going to call back. We'll, we'll we'll get you back on the other line when we come through uh, the break on the other side. Uh, you're listening to the Laura Ingram Show. Eight five five forty Laura. We'll get to all of this and the protest of Palooza and the danger of this overheated rhetoric coming up. With our green lighters. Yeah, no, no, we're swinging back and forth. Raymond just went to a Barry Manilow concert with his college-age son. Who was who told me, turned to me oh, at no. the end of the concert and said, now there's a kid who's seen Maroon 5 and all these other groups, turned to me and said, that was the greatest Vegas-style concert I've ever been to. He was incredible, and he was, but... Barry Manilow is now being blared, get this, outside of Rite Aid stores to keep vagrants away. Okay? The Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Is this making you vagrants flee? Yeah. He said there are a few other places until recently where you could hear the popular crooner belting it out for free, but some Rite Aid storefronts in San Diego, Hollywood, Long Beach, they are using Barry Manilow testing to see whether playing his songs outside the stores over and over and loudly would deter loiterers and panhandlers and it seems to have worked it has mystified and annoyed neighbors who <laughs> when they complained and some have they said I, I i can't go a day without hearing mandy i feel like i'm trapped in the twilight zone so they went to rite aid and complained and the rite aid manager told her would you rather panhandlers or manilow <laughs> So here's my question. What is it about Barry Manilow, the man who writes the songs and took us to the Copacabana? What is it about Barry Manilow that is driving away vagrants? Well, if there is, let's say, let's put it this way. Would it be Barry Manilow that you'd play in Gitmo if you knew one of the detainees had info that could save, you know, Americans from harm? Would, would, would it be that or would it be like, you know, death metal? Or something, or would it be electronica, or would it well, be? I wonder how they came music. around Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow's music is very melodic. It's it's you know vanilla kind of sweat. You you instantly sweat. Why don't we play another Barry Manilow? Right, let's song just keep now. playing and see if people agree that this is. Laura is swaying behind the microphone. I want to tell you, America, I'm watching. this repel vagrants see i would sit there and sway and i'd, I'd shake my can in unison with the music <laughs> i'd shake my little can or, or my little sign please give yeah i can't smile without your money i can't smile without your money but for whatever reason it is it is vagrant repellent and it's working and it's keeping but i i don't understand it i want to hear from america why do you think barry is repelling people <laughs> vagrants not customers but vagrants because Manolo says in his concerts my dream is to be ruined in elevators all over the country because he knows that's big money the more every they time, play you every time he play uh, they, a doctor's offices they love right Manolo. right because it's laid back it chills you out so I do, I really don't understand why it's repellent to me maybe if you blared like Streisand or um, um, who else would really drive you off of the sidewalk Donnie and Marie 
Oh, Donnie Marie's nice, humble stuff. No. I don't know who it is. Neil Diamond is actually great. Neil Diamond's another. He's a crowd pleaser. You wouldn't put him no, on. No, no, no. And so is Manilow. I got to tell you, at Wolf Trap, it was a packed house. Everybody's swaying, dancing. It, uh, they loved it, which is why I don't quite understand the, the chemistry here. But for whatever reason, uh, when they hear this music, they don't stand around. Manilow's publicist was asked about this. Yeah. And they said it's not very kind that people don't want to stand around and listen to his music. It's odd. He wouldn't comment on something like this. I don't think he knows about it. <laughs> He meanwhile, care. meanwhile, by the way, yeah. he is filling a 1,600-seat Vegas venue now. Ticket prices range from $20 to 329 His publicist bucks. says he's been ranked as the top-selling adult contemporary artist of all time. How old with is he 50 now? To, to 40, 50 top singles. 50. He is 75 years old. Barry Manilow. Okay, what's your least favorite Barry Manilow song? <laughs> okay, mine is Mandy. Can you please play it? I see a memory You came and you gave without taking. Then I sent you away. Why would you send her away if she came and she gave without taking? That was one of my favorite lines. She came and she gave without taking, then I sent her away. But he needs her today. Oh, man. You know, I, every time I see Mandy, our friend who used to be a makeup artist at Fox, That's Fox. We love she Mandy. comes in and sometimes does makeup for Mandy WTN. And when I walk in, I always go, oh, look into your eyes, I see a memory. I'm so sick of that. You do that every time you see her. It's I know, awful. she still laughs. I don't know. Uh, of all time, of, all of time. music history. Yeah, exactly. now, now, some are saying the customer is going into Rite Aid. They are saying, I, you know, I used to make fun of Barry Manilow, but now it's one of those beautiful moments. I know all the words. When I was in my 20s, I made fun of him. Yeah. But now that I'm in my 40s, he's kind of nostalgic. It reminds me of mom and dad in a lovely way. How about it reminds <laughs> you of a time that was simpler, where we weren't quite as much at each other's throats. By the way, are you one of those people who bought Bitcoin? Because if you did, it's, it's now at uh, in the basement. It's back below six thousand dollars. It's uh, loss is seven, sixty to seventy percent. <laughs> uh, here's the here's Bloomberg. You know, homepage Bloomberg. Bitcoin bloodbath nears dot com levels. What did we say about these people chasing the Bitcoin? This cryptocurrency. I knew it was a complete snake oil from the beginning. And and, and many of the Bitcoin uh, a lot of people made, it, made money. I know, but some have made a lot of money a, early yeah, on. A lot of it people couldn't unload it. It went up from like five thousand to sixteen thousand. That's right. It's going to go up. Gonna, and it dropped like everything. a rock. Yeah. Then they lose everything. Mm -hmm. Eight five five forty Laura. Uh, okay. Let me go. To Russ in Mississippi. Russ, if, if you, uh, what about it? You're a store owner, and see, I don't. I think we play too much music. Period in stores and restaurants. I, half of the music in restaurants it repel. It repels me as a me customer, too. especially loud pounding. Things. Loud pounding music in restaurants. Can't I like a light piano or something light? You know, but but Russ has an insight. Yeah, go ahead, Russ. No, I uh, number one, Laura, I love you. Thank I listen you. To you. Every time we get the chance. Thanks. There's some things I may disagree with you on, but 90% of the time you're you're peg on. 
Thank you. Um, Speak up, though. We can't hear you very well, Rusty. Okay, hang on. Uh, there, maybe that'll work. Yeah, that's the actual better. audio. Good. That's it. Okay, again. That was audio. That's low How great you are, do you? No, no. no. Go on. What's your <laughs> no, point? Go on. What's your point? My point is, I don't care what you put out there. It could even be blaring Elvis, and everybody loves Elvis. But you just constantly, constantly spraying loud music anytime. You're never going to stick the house to listen to the same song 20 times in a row. So Russ's point is, if you play anything, now wait. Uh, now, now what we're wait seeing is the Fanalos are now showing up. Uh oh, Fanalos, Mike. Mike, Mike on line six. Mike, go ahead. Fanalos. Oh, this is hilarious, oh, Mike. Uh, yeah, uh, Barry is uh, calm and predictable. There's nothing surprising, and uh, street people are coming right from chaos to begin with. They can't stand uh, understandable, uh, logical, uh, wonderful, freedom-loving kind of music from a, a person straight. Nothing crooked at all, and uh, that's why, because they're all crazy. Otherwise, it wouldn't be on the street doing what they're doing. Mm. Well, I think music does. It does set the set the tone. It sets the stage. Maybe for, they should blast Gilbert and Sullivan or oh, yeah. Oscar Oscar Hammerstein. And yeah, Rogers, Oscar Rogers, Rogers and Hammerstein. Hammerstein. Oh my God! Maybe that would be the the ultimate vagrant repellent. But you know, the people in the neighborhood who live next to these Rite Aids, they're like, I feel like I, I have a low grade migraine every time I turn around. All I hear is Mandy, and here I write the songs. <laughs> they're going crazy because it's blaring into their houses every day when they live let's, near let's these Rite Aids. Let's let more people into the country who are indigent. Let's. Let's, let's let more people stream into the country who are indigent because we don't have enough indigent people already. You take all conversations right back to the immigration. That's my number one issue. <laughs> and it's my number one issue. Okay, Fanalo Allen from North Carolina is men. on the line. They're all men calling in. You men who love Manilow. <laughs> Go ahead. Go Alan. ahead. This is like grandmother music. I like ahead, Barry. I like Barry Manilow. He is, when I had my first girlfriend as a kid, I'm 57. It was romantic. It was fun. I don't care if he's not straight. It don't matter. I love him to death. <laughs> He's a nice, but he's fun. He's a big, he, he, Alan, he's a big liberal. He got into a fight with a really good friend of mine in, uh, in Beverly Hills, who they used to be really good friends. She's a very well-known celebrity, but they used to be good friends, and now they don't speak because, you know, because of politics. But he's a big liberal, big liberal, but he's incredibly talented. Yeah, and you know, Alan, uh, when we were at Wolf Trap and saw his show, it was mostly couples your age who were nostalgic for the music. They grew up with the music. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's who turns out for him, and mostly women. Can we hear mostly some women. other man? Fanalo music for the Fanalos, please, James. Other, other. Do you remember this song, Laura? Tell me what movie this is from. Do you remember? No, keep it up, James. This was a soundtrack for a movie in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. Kramer versus Kramer. No, Goldie Hawn was in it. Foul play. Oh! Chevy Chase, I think it was Chevy, Chevy Chase, Chase and Goldie Hawn. Oh, foul yeah. play. Foul play. Wow. I love this song. Okay, Phil in Nevada. James has got to have this uh, song. I hope he has it. Uh, Jay, oh, no, Phil, go ahead. Oh, hi. Uh, I think they should, um, Copacabana is a song I'm tired of forever, but I, I, got a, I got a great idea. I think they should play this at the border wall. <laughs> Let's hear it. Oh, no, the word. I like the backup thing. 
but you can't help swing to this. He closes his show out with this, of course, and people jump around. Oh, yeah. No, 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 the women with their stretch pants. They're cheetah, cheetah pattern. Cheetah pattern. It's the Sands of Belt and stretch pants. Now, you want to know my favorite Barry Manilow song? James, pull it. If you can, okay. he's, gonna, he's efforting it, and I will reveal that later. Okay, all right. So, your favorite Barry Manilow, Manilow song that we have not? Uh, okay, let's go to Jim and George. Yeah, this is really five. funny. Jim, go ahead. Then we got to. Hey, gotta get, Laura. Go ahead. Hey, I love your show at night, every night almost. Thanks. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, I have a friend of mine, an electrician. He he installed oh, about a year ago a sound system here uh, for a lady outside of her house. You know, like a you know speakers outside because and she her idea was because the gangbangers kind of a rough part of town. She lived in and gangbangers would congregate on her corner and do drug deals and leave her yard trashed up and stuff. And uh, so through these speakers, she started playing classical music and Barry Manilow. Came <laughs> 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 <Stand> back. <laughs> You know what? It's the ultimate anti. Anti-hip-hop. It's anti-hip-hop. It's anti-culture. It's the N-word, the F-word. Because it's melodic, it's romantic, and it's it's a throwback. Oh, they hate this. You know, maybe somebody's right. Maybe this could be the official soundtrack of the Trump border wall. Oh, Barry would never allow that big liberal. He wouldn't be able to. It if if you pay the ASCAP fees, you're That's a fair hell game. Of ASCAP fees over you're, and you're, over again. You're fair game. That is so. Oh hilarious. my God! All right, we'll take a break. Oh. We'll reveal um, Raymond's favorite Barry Manilow tune. And can you guess what it mine, is? Mine and my favorite oh. favorite Barry Manilow tune. And if you could play one piece of music that would repel the would repel people that you didn't want around you. What would it be? And what style of music would it be? To drive out vagrants, gangbangers, or uh, Linda Sarsour? Whenever you're driving and wherever you're bound Like a good neighbor State Farm is there Like a good neighbor, he wrote the Band-Aid song, I Am Stuck on Band-Aid Brand, and Band-Aid Stuck on Me, and this. Strydex. Right. But he wrote a lot of jingles. jingles in his early career. He wrote a ton of jingles. Okay, and James, um, there's, I have a favorite Barry Manilow song, and if James, when James has it, he'll uh, he'll tell me because I, it's a rare. Uh, if this is a rare recording, they call it a press. They give a, give several copies of this, the the initial press of the song. And how did you hear this staffers. song? Well, it, it was actually on the first Barry Manilow album, Barry oh, okay. Manilow One. Okay. Um, but it, when they when they first record it, they did this press and they give it out to people in the record company and so forth. But I love this song. Let's listen. After the days, after these very very many days, you're gonna see the light. And on that day, somehow I'll find the 
heard this. Isn't it pretty? Oh, no, my now, who can guess my favorite Barry Manilow song? One of these days. James, do you have it? Even now, I still this is my favorite. <laughs> and he still does it in concert. Big. Huge number. There it is. Oh yeah, even now. Even now. <laughs> That's a good one for Trump. Even now. Right. After all the attacks, even now. That's a hard one. Yeah. He's good. He's good in, in, in live. He's he's compelling. All right, let's go to Jack Nevada. I don't even know where we are in the time. Jack. Good morning. Hello. Go ahead, Jack. Jack, start speaking. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, I listen to your show every morning as I'm walking my dogs. But listen, what other god-awful music can we bring back? That, that His songs are so horrible. And, you know, and but one thing, you, you know, the border agents, don't they have to deal with enough that they got to deal with the loud speaker? <laughs> okay, I think they should just play, uh, they should play a Maxine Waters at the border. Play one of her speeches and that'll, that'll send them out. <laughs> one boy. One voice. Overdubbed, dubbed, 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 dubbed. This is like heavily produced. Over, do you see how Grady sounded just raw with his voice yeah. on that other song? Yeah. Oh my God, he's in process. Yeah, he does this all the time. Yeah. You're listening to the Laura Ingram show. Uh, later on, we'll bring you some of the. Uh, well, speaking of voices, they had a kind of scream preparation for for the proper rage channeling and getting your screams out last uh, yesterday at the women's uh, anti-ice march that took place in Washington. So we'll share some of those tidbits with you. Great Ingram angle on tap tonight. Make sure to DVR us if you're out and about. And we're talking about Barry Manilow being blared outside of Rite Aid stores all over the country and it is meant to repel stop and repel vagrants. vagrants as well as loiterers. Hobos, bums. And it's working. It seems to be working. Hobos, bums, vagrants. Line four. Jeff Florida. Go ahead. Yes, hi, Laura. I'm known in my circle of friends as a kind of classic rock uh, metalhead. Mm -hmm. But I would say my favorite Barry Manilow song is Night in New England. I don't know if I have the title correct. A Weekend in New weekend England. Weekend in New England. Yep. Late 70s, 78, 79, yeah. And he, of course, my, when my son heard this the other night, who's 19, he turned to me and said, Oh, I love this, the Mall Top song. <laughs> because, oh, from the Mall Top? Yeah, because Kevin James, they use this as he's writing love letters to his ex. They play this song. So it's interesting, the frame of reference How younger people have. Very the jillions of dollars, the royalties. Man. I would want royalties on just one or two songs. That would be sufficient for a lifetime. And but listen to the key change, middle of these this. songs, always key change. Cut it in half, it's key change. <laughs> 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 it's a, they always, it's a big drum 
And now they put timpani in the middle of it. So, well, why didn't it work on Broadway? I would think it would have worked. He did a musical called Harmony that never got off the ground, and they tried Copacabana as a musical. He wrote a bunch of other songs around it. And it's. You know what you always wonder? Why is it? I guess it's like anything. Everyone has their time, their era. He never, he never. What, what was his last hit? Um, I think he recut uh, a. Um, what was his last uh, the, the hit? Four season song. I think it was. Uh, what's that song? Let's hang on to what we got. Na -na -na, girl, we got a lot. Okay. You know that song. The, like he did a recut 82. of that in the 80s, yeah. And that's probably the last top hit he had. But Mandy is the only number one song he ever had at the top of Billboard. What? The only, despite all of those hits, that was the only one that was number well, one on Billboard. that was so huge when I was in June. That was like my first boyfriend. I and contrary to what some people say, and yeah. I saw one of the callers earlier said, oh, well, that was about, Mandy was about his dog. No, it wasn't. No. Mandy was already recorded by Bunny Walters before Barry Manilow ever saw it. It was called Brandy. Then Manilow changed it to Mandy and... And um, it became a huge hit. Not the other song. Now the other song. I don't know what you're singing. The Brandy, the other song. You know the song, James, the other Brandy song. No, it's the exact same song. No, it's but just there's Brandy. another song called Brandy from the 70s. James knows what I'm talking about. No, not that Brandy. <laughs> Another vagrant repellent, if I ever heard one. This is a terrible song. <laughs> Jeanette, Jeanette in Texas. Now, this is news to me, Jeanette. Go ahead, Jeanette. Yeah. Uh, driving through New Mexico one day, got, got stuck around the Lincoln National Forest on my way to Elephant Butte. There was yeah. no no radio stations. The only radio station I could pick up was Manilow Radio. Twenty four hours a day, Barry Manilow hit. Oh wow! Was, in New Mexico, who crucial. knew? Those are all the people going to his residency in Vegas. <laughs> That's all the new New Mexico people driving over. Maybe That's he's got a new wild. residency. Did you see that? No. Yeah, he's at a he's at a, a showroom that Elvis actually used to play in in Vegas. Just signed it. He's there for a number of years. After saying, by the way, he was retiring two years ago, but it was the end he was never going to perform again and ending touring well he's back oh my gosh all i can say is you are never going to get these lyrics out of your head i haven't heard some of these songs in years and i knew every lyric once you hear even now or weekend in new england that that is like a brain worm no, you will not you. shake that lyric all day um, you know what it is it's things you heard as a kid it's things you heard as a right. young adult it's things so you, you, when you're at a concert as we went to you know a few weeks ago here in virginia half the audience sings along with him yeah, as he's nice. singing the song. So it's I, I, I must say, I don't pay money to hear uh, Eloise from Peoria the singing. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you. Shut up and let the entertainer no, no, sing. No, no, no. We're not, we're not interested in that. All right. We have to get into some of these other outrages from the protests yesterday that we weren't able to get to before. 855-40-LAURA. Uh, you can still call in about the, uh, about the call. I think bread, anything from bread would be great to repel vagrants. Stay with us. Anybody been angry? before? Anybody angry now? Let it out. One, pull it out. Count to three. Just yell. Let that anger out. One, two, three. Go. Now shake it out. Let's get rid of that now. And lo siento. Let's do that one more time so that everybody has the instructions. We'll do it again. Una, una vez más para que todas y todas podemos participar. Una, dos, tres. The uh, Women's March 
yesterday. The Women's March yesterday was just uh, a spectacle from beginning to end, whether it was Linda Sarsour uh, talking about how ICE is committing human rights violations, uh, by the way, as Islamic countries around the world subjugate women in real and vicious ways. But Linda Sarsour, the Palestinian anti-Semitic nasty activist, uh, if it wasn't she, it was the scream fest that took place. And I keep saying, let's go. Let's do it. Let's let's keep this going, because I think the more Americans see just where this is headed with the Democratic Socialists of America, which was behind the beginning of these ice protests out in Portland. Uh, by the way, that's that's the oh, of course, the socialists, just like the new, uh, you know, likely congresswoman from Queens, Ms. Cortez, Ocasio-Cortez. So she is a proud member of the socialists. Socialist Party. We have the Democratic Socialists advocating across the nation for the abolishment of ICE, abolishing of ICE. And now you have Kirsten Gillibrand, a sitting U.S. senator, saying that she believes immigration customs enforcement should be abolished. You know, they say that because it's it's better for them to say that than to say, oh, we want open borders. They think this is better than to say we want open borders, that, that, that it's going to sit better with people. When overwhelmingly the American people believe that the men and women of ICE are, are you know, there are they're first responders to drugs and uh, people being trafficked in the investigative uh, arena. So they're the investigators and those who carry out the ultimate enforcement actions. There's the Border Patrol right at the border, but ICE does the work on the interior part of the United States in order to turn these people out of the country, find them, and get them out of here. And Mark Penn, you know, came on the uh, the angle last night, and Mark Penn is a Democratic pollster. He said his polling on this is not good for the Democrats. 84% of those he polled uh, said that when you find an, an illegal immigrant, um, I don't know the exact wording of the question, but 84% said should they be released or turned into authorities? I think this is directed at sanctuary cities. When an illegal immigrant criminal uh, is released from, is, is you know, is in, in the custody of authority, should they be turned over to ICE or should they be released? 84% said they should be turned over to the authorities, the federal authorities. So I think this going after ICE stuff is a huge political mis- calculation. I, but I think they're just grasping. They, you know, they're, they're banking on Mueller. Now Mueller, I love how Mueller says, well, it, it leaked out of the Mueller investigation. Somehow it leaked out that he'll be wrapping up by November. Oh, it just so happens that oh, that it's right before, what, before the midterm elections. But do you see how this is all being played? And you wonder why people think this is all, all political. But don't worry, because Mueller is just now zeroing in. He's now, he's now absolutely focused on Russia collusion. Roger Stone last night on the show said, well, what the heck has he been doing for the last year and a half just focusing now on russia collusion are you kidding me but i don't know you you all you all can tell me whether you like this protest culture i called it uh protest palooza because it really is a way of life for a lot of these rabid activists i mean conservatives have this thing called jobs they have this thing called work so they're not able to spend days and days and days traveling the country chaining themselves to you know chaining themselves to uh you know abortion clinics there are a few people that do that but most of these left-wingers this is their way of life this is their social life. This is their professional life. Uh, I don't know if any of them are being paid. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But I think the more images and video we see of that Linda Sarsour, that hateful woman, the more can we can see from her, the better. People uh, want to tell us when to protest, how to protest, how to be civil. If you're going to talk to us about civility, let's talk about how uncivil it is to kill unarmed black people on the streets of our community. 
again, it's a, there's a lot of emotion. But if you think Linda Sarsour cares about what's happening to the to the families crossing the border or or, or African American people, then you don't know much about her. Linda Sarsour is about burnishing her global brand as an international human rights activist. She works for the Arab American Association of New York. She's the executive director, and she had to go through her Twitter feed not so long ago and delete all these really horrible tweets. And at one point, one of her tweets showed a, like probably a four-year-old Palestinian boy with a rock in his hand, and that the the tagline was just courage. So this is what we're encouraging our kids to be: throwing rocks at authorities. Oh, but sorry, throwing rocks at the occupation, as she would call it. But I don't know. Maybe you guys can uh, tweet me uh, and go on Facebook, make comments. But I think this is a big problem for the Democrats. And I think Chuck Schumer, who's wily and very smart, I think when he told Maxine Waters to tamp it down, he was looking right at the midterm elections. And he's he's looking at the prospects of this great blue wave fading away. And I mean, he's he's a pretty smart tactician, although he didn't uh, he didn't predict that, predict that Ocasio-Cortez beating old Joel Crowley, though, in the House of Representatives, I imagine. But he's I think he's looking at these Senate seats. Oh, by the way, speaking of Senate seats, uh, the president met with some of the uh, red state Democrats. He met with Heidi Heitkamp and um, a few others at the White House, uh, Susan Collins, about the Supreme Court pick, as it looks like there are two leading contenders, Brett Kavanaugh, as I told you, from the D.C. Circuit, and Amy Coney Barrett, who's a mother of, I believe, seven. I might have said nine. I think it's seven. Um, and both are phenomenal picks. Uh, either one would just be great. I, I kind of like the idea of, of Amy, um, just for, uh, for a lot of reasons, but both both would be, you can't go wrong with either of them. Um, you're listening to The Laura Ingram Show. All right, we have a great Ingram angle on tap tonight. You do not want to miss it. More on the dangerous protest culture that is whipping people up into this anger and frenzy across the United States, making it very difficult in some cases for these federal agencies to function and the fallout of that. And the media pointing fingers in the aftermath of this horrific shooting in Annapolis at uh, still, even though this guy had a grudge against the paper, they're still pointing the finger at Trump. Today is like the busiest day of the last six months, according to the TSA, because now apparently everybody takes the entire week off for Fourth of July. But we'll be in next uh, Monday and Tuesday, uh, take the rest of the week off. But Monday and Tuesday, and we have a great, um, great special on Tuesday night on the Ingram Angle. All right, everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday. 